Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 83. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am your host, Steven Morioka, and today I am here with Alex Underhill. Hello. Hey there, Alex. Hope you've been uh, doing well given our uh, current lockdown situation or stay-at-home orders from the uh, state of Illinois. How's that been going for you? Uh, fine. I'm uh, now working from home and uh, getting used to that grind. Um, it's pretty pretty nice, I would say. I uh, I feel like I am a bit more productive, and I uh, have been enjoying having lots of time home to catch up on our main focus, Animal Crossing. That's right. We're going to talk about Animal Crossing a little bit later on here. We're going to try and get through the Pokemon bit of news uh, stuff that's been happening. I know uh, the morning of this recording, actually, we had the an extended, um, we had an extension to our stay-at-home order from our governor to uh, extend that through April 30th. Originally, it was supposed to only go through April 7th, so well, both of us are going to be stuck at home a little bit longer than. Uh, well, I kind of expected it to be extended anyway, but good. That's also still pending, but. First things uh, with regards to news is some stuff we've missed the last few weeks, um, and we can roll through these kind of quickly, is that um, ever since the regional in Toronto was canceled, uh, you know, Pokemon had to come out and make a statement about that so that we had an official update on March 17th from uh, the Pokemon Company International with uh, regards to play Pokemon events, and all events, uh, in-person events, have been canceled through uh, Thursday, May 14th, um, you know, to prevent the further spread of the COVID-19 um, so all those things have been canceled. No, uh, specifically no championship points are go- going to be awarded during this time period. So this also plays into, um, another announcement, which is the announcement of the 2020 international challenge, April online competition, which is planned to be held, uh, April 10th through 12th. And, uh, even in this article, they specifically mentioned, um, no championship points at all anywhere in that post. So all you can really get is the Great Ball Casual, Great Ball Guy Casualty, I believe. So, um, Alex, we've got no in-person events to worry about or go to, and I guess now this also includes the Albany, New York Regional, which we originally thought might have still happened, but uh, for certain now, absolutely will not. Yeah, I gotta say, Stephen, receiving this news is a great casualty because I uh, did not know that it was not going to be. Well, first off, I just learned today that they had announced it. And um, now I've been told that by you just now that they will not reward championship points. And yeah, I feel like that's just a real missed opportunity and kind of a bummer. I don't know. Um, they probably, you know, had discussions and decided that they they wanted to stick to earning no championship points. Maybe they didn't want to commit to an online circuit in any sense, and they don't want people to get the idea. So they are going to continue. To, they're not going to like, you know... I guess have an imbalance considering that we cannot have online or uh, physical in-person of live events. So instead they just will not reward points online, I guess. Um, I, I, I see kind of what they're going for, but I still feel like um, I would have liked to have seen uh, this tournament reward championship points just to uh, get something for people to be hyped about um, in terms of the official circuit. Yeah. It's a little disappointing, but they are, just sticking they're just sticking with that announcement and then you know being very forward about it because i looked i looked everywhere like on the uh on their twitter announcement on that article even in like the switch news feed and in the uh signups for the competition like there's nothing mentioning championship points where normally they always have that in there you know you can always you can earn cp for the uh your, for the world championships coming down the line which uh, you know those are also going to be in question moving forward but um, regardless, no championship points for this one. As far as, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if uh, anything's going to change about that, but, um, I guess people can still play some, uh, VGC online, the series three and, uh, try and get that. Well, it's going to be easy to just play, play, play one game completed and you'll get your great ball guy casualty. And that's, that's your reward for playing this one. At least we have a lot of other, I think, tournaments to look forward to, uh, as we will, uh, get to, um, we got a... Decent number of, like, um, online tournaments popping up uh, unofficially. Uh, I think just kind of capitalizing on this whole uh, stay-at-home movement. Um, Just that, you know, people are going to have either more time or still a drive to play VGC. And so um, 
the online tournaments that we saw were very popular before the uh, 2020 format started in January uh, are kind of coming back up. Uh, we've seen um, two happen in the past two weekends that got a lot of people uh, to go to them. There was, I think, one before that weekend, too. I think it's just been pretty much every weekend since uh, Toronto was supposed to happen. Um have had a major tournament. There was the Zelda Challenge, oh, uh, which got right. a decent number of players. Uh, I remember. I remember about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that that one because that was when everything started to get really serious. Exactly, and uh, it didn't get the, quite the numbers though. Was the thing like you know it, that's when because th- people weren't quite ready. I would say, but now that uh, people are, I guess, becoming more accustomed to this, um, we have um, just. Last, no, no, two weekends ago, the weekend of the 21st, was the Victory Road Spring Challenge, which we will be talking about the results uh, in a bit here. And then uh, the weekend after that, the 28th, there was the uh, Rose Tower Open, uh, I believe it was. It was a Rose Tower online tournament, I am pretty certain of. Uh, And that tournament just ended this past weekend. Uh, Steven and I don't have results on it yet, and we have plenty to talk about, so... We're just going to let that one uh, slip by for now and maybe cover it in the future. Um, but right now, uh, do you want to dig into this Victory Road tournament, Stephen? Yeah, let, let's let, let's get into it. And like all these online tournaments right now are really important because uh, in terms of the timing with the Series 3 part of the format is all the live events that we uh, were originally scheduled to have are no longer going to happen. So this is all we are going to have for Series 3. Um, we had that last live event, what, first weekend in March already? And uh, this is going to be it. So all these online tournaments are really going to be um, kind of propelling the metagame forward if we can get back into our live tournaments later in May or perhaps in the summer. But um, this is all we got for Series 3, so these are some important tournaments to look at. Um, you know, conditions are a little bit different than what you'd be in in a real-life setting, but um, these are still really significant. So let's uh, look into these and start off by saying that the uh, this Victory Road, what was this tournament called again? The Victory Road, uh, the Spring Challenge. Spring Challenge. Thank you. Uh, I needed that assist there. The uh, Spring Challenge. <laughs> the winner from this tournament was uh, Lucamir, uh, Justin Ramirez. Uh, still um, rocking a Durant on his team here, but his uh, team was Togekiss, Durant, Tyranitar, Arcanine, Indeedee Female, and Gastrodon, uh, defeating East. Timo Mankinen. What? Oh, oh. Gastrodon East. Oh. <laughs> God, fine. <laughs> I guess I do have to. Ma- we, I guess we do have to make the distinction now, but because the west one is legal and also the uh, inferior, and inferior color design. But yes, uh, Justin, uh, Justin defeated Timo Mankinen from uh, Finland, who used a team of Togekiss, Lapras, Incineroar, Alchemy, Dusclops, and Conkelder. And and uh, I imagine that that Lapras and the Alchemy are probably going to be uh, Gigantamax as well. Yeah, so once again, uh, we see Ramirez taking a uh, another online tournament by storm. One was a uh, Rose Tower tournament that we saw in uh, I, uh, the past weekends, uh, sometime after Dallas. I think it was the weekend after Dallas. Um, and uh, with a dip, bit of a different team here. However, uh, so this tournament was held... Um, in in game you know so it was played on your switches uh using the normal rules you would at a vgc tournament and um all of a lot of this was streamed on um justin karras's uh twitch which is uh i think it's azazel the god or something like that um you can probably find the link to that on uh justin karras's or uh just well definitely on justin karras's uh twitter but probably on justin ramirez's twitter as well um, if you wanted to check out some of the games from that tournament, since uh, you can see his entire uh, top eight run. And I think we need to talk a bit about how not just like, you know, Justin Ramirez, who is this uh, incredible player uh, who has, you know, been taking VGC 2020 by storm and driving the metagame, but also um, the way that he played the tournament. Were you able to watch any of the games, Steven? I was not. What, so, yeah, let's get into this. What do you mean by the way he played the tournament? So, in, from top eight on, I would say uh, it was especially noticeable. Um, basically, um, Justin was playing super hyper defensively uh, with a team that has a lot of def- uh, good switch ins, and um, he had uh, some very cool uh, techs in that, like, we've seen at this point in the metagame people opt to drop follow me on their Togekiss. 
But uh, then they usually go three offensive attacks, like Protect, Heat Wave, Dazzling Gleam, and Air Slash, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And instead, he wanted to have Yawn on that uh, Togekiss with its normal Air Slash, Protect, and Dazzling Gleam. And then he also had Yawn on the Gastrodon. And essentially, what he would do is he would pivot and switch defensively, yawning his opponent's uh, Dynamaxes, and saving his Dynamax for the latest point possible till he really just needed to either match theirs if he was going to lose otherwise, or he uh, just, you know, found it, you know, in the end game what his win condition was uh, and which Pokemon it was that he wanted to max. But it was just incredible to watch how uh, a lot of people think, you know, Dynamax early, take two KOs, and then you just have such an advantage. You can win. And uh, he really showed that defensive play is possible in a format with Dynamaxing, and he just kind of stalled around these Dynamaxes, and it was really incredible to watch how well he played. Yeah, it seems almost uh, unconventional to do that because... um Along with Dynamax, you know, trying to get KOs quickly is you're also... Sometimes you're getting your boost that you want, so um, if you can just stack those early, then it makes the battle a little bit easier uh, moving forward. But um, that's that's a really, yeah, unconventional style to think about. It's just like, obviously, you know it's important when, uh, which turn and when to Dynamax, but um, it's really cool to see and hear something like that. Yeah, and so uh, if you watch it, like, it, uh, I definitely recommend watching these videos. There's some of the, the I think best play I've seen in this format. It was really cool to watch, so do go check out those VODs if you have the time. Um, and then, uh, other than that, I think we can talk a bit about uh, the second and third place teams together here. They uh, are very similar. I think they share five of the same six mons. Davide Carrera was the third place uh, player, and um, yeah, they just are both running that Togekiss, Lapras, um, Arcanine... Or not Arcanine, uh, Incineroar. This it, Roserade is on Davide's team, and then Dusclops and Conkeldur. And uh, <laughs> this is a team that did well in uh, Malmo. And um, it's basically just like there's like a lot of different ways that you can run the team. Uh, there are lots of different texts that you can fit in there. Uh, but typically, it is uh, the Lapras that they focus around maxing. And uh, then they kind of like have Dusclops to uh, never be KO'd through the Aurora Veil, and other than that, um, just kind of a bunch of bulky offensive Pokemon. Yeah, even within the top eight, you can see two more sets of this exact team in uh, both 7th place and 8th place on Juan uh, Fernandez's team from Spain and Juan Salerno's from Argentina. So, same six Pokemon there, and... um, yeah, there, there's a lot of different uh, modes and options with this team. And you just look at all the those Pokemon in, in just within this top 8 here. You can see a lot of Lapras, a lot of Incineroar, a lot of Roserade, and uh, Dusclops and Conkeldur. Probably because these teams are all running very similar Pokemon. But um, it's just kind of neat to see these uh, trends here. Because earlier, within the early part of March, I want to say, we didn't see too much Incineroar um, in the beginning, which was... Kind of weird, and now you're kind of seeing it uh, being picked up more on a lot of these teams. Yeah, it seems to be um, more prevalent towards the top, which is uh, interesting to know, because I am uh, down here right now looking at the top 32 and up teams, and I think I see two Incineroar down here. So um, I guess maybe it was also just a bit of a tournament call, which is funny to say, because, you know, Incineroar, as we've seen, it's like been so common in past uh, the past couple of formats, um, including all of the, you know, different 2019 formats. Um, but, uh, this time around, uh, it seemed to be that Incineroar was helping a lot towards the top. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, cool teams down here, though. Uh, we see, like, I think something that, um, is only represented in here twice, but is just a strong metagame trend right now is, um, Colossal. Uh, we see two Colossal teams in, uh, the top 32, from uh, Fevzi Ozkan, Ozkan, I believe you say it, uh, who is a pretty notable player, and Enosh, Enosh Akur. Um Both of them were running the uh, Colossal, and uh, it's almost always at this point run with Dragapult. Dragapult, known for its incredibly high speed, it has the Surf to set it off, and it is immune to Fake Out, so um, it really is difficult to stop. Uh, Volcalith is now, uh, accessible, the G-Max, I guess, for, uh, Colossal, which works a lot like Charizard's Wildfire, except that, uh, rock types are immune to it instead. And, uh, yeah, it can be really, um, 
devastating if you do not have something to prepare for that exact lead, and it can really force your hand. Yeah, and uh, I've actually been running some variants of this team with a Dragapult and Colossal to, uh, you know, abuse the Steam Engine, um, uh, that ability with the weakness policy. So um, I've, you know, had a lot of fun with this kind of team, and it's, uh, you know, you always think about how do I want to activate my Steam Engine, right? Do I want to use Surf? I can avoid redirection this way. Um, and the being a ghost is really nice because you can just avoid any of those uh, fake outs. And there's nothing with Scrappy that gets it right now, which is nice. And um, you always got to consider. You can also consider like other water types that learn Aqua Jet, but then you got to worry about uh, redirection or Gastrodon. So it's uh, always uh, an interesting problem there. Um, I like how these are also paired with other things to abuse Surf. Um, so Enosh has a Gastrodon on the team, and uh, Fevzi has a Lapras, which I imagine could have water absorb to play around with that surf on with the Lapras as well. But um, I like how, you know, the team has that option for that strategy. So they can, you know, like you were saying, catch people off guard. And there's still uh, strong options with um, other portions of the team too. So um, I think it's important to, you know, strike that balance. And, you know, that's a, just a strong lead duo if you can get it going. Uh, now, other than that, I just wanted to point out some other uh, notable um, players and the teams that they were running, just because I think their teams are also a bit standout. Um, we see uh, Colin Heyer, um, whose team uh, has a Togekiss, Lapras, Charizard, Incineroar, Dusclops, and Conkeldurr. Kind of similar to the, uh, actually it's uh, five of the same six as the finalists team, uh, with a Charizard just slapped on over um, that filler slot of Alcremie and... Roserade. Uh-huh. I would not call them filler. They are very important Pokemon, but I guess this is just a bit of a different way to run the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the main reason I'm highlighting Colin here is not because the team is uh, exceptional, but a, that the uh, he had a good run in the Zelda Tour. I believe he was the winner of that tournament over uh, Gavin in the finals. Um, if we uh, truly dry up on VGC content, maybe we'll go back to that tournament. But um, <laughs> yeah, the... the uh, the main thing that here is like I, I believe there is a team report out on his team, so do go check that out uh, if you're looking for information on this team. And uh, I think it was like an assault vest Charizard. Uh, I think it had ancient power uh, to cover other Charizard and um, to set sand. Maybe not to, so much to set sand since nothing here abuses it. But uh, there is a team report hit for his team. Uh, he saw a bit more success in an online tournament. Um, and then I wanted to point out another player here, John Hu. Um, John, I work a lot with, and so I'm very familiar with the team that he has been testing, which is, of course, uh, Cherim stuff. He's got a Cherim. Um, Dragapult, Lapras, Raichu, Ninetales, Kanto, um, Cherim, and Conkeldur. And, uh, yeah, he had a lot of, uh, fun ways to mess around with, uh, abusing Cherim. I know that the Ninetales had, uh, Flare Blitz and, uh, the... Uh, the idea is that Cherim can boost your special defense and your attack by one stage, essentially. Uh, essentially, but I mean, those multipliers uh, stack a little bit differently. They multiply them by one and a half. And um, basically just make some certain Pokemon like really, really hard to deal with um, in Sun. Because that's when uh, Cherim's ability, Flower Gift, I want to say it is. Yeah, yes. Flower Gift is uh, set off. And uh, it also works for itself, so uh, it can use cool moves like Solar Blade, uh, which it now has access to. Uh, and then lastly, I wanted to talk about uh, one more player in the top 32 here. Another Ninetales user, but an unexpected player that I was excited to see enter the tournament. Uh, Marcus Statter, uh, who is a German player, a very, very strong player, uh, with a Sun team that uh, looks like something that you would see in older years. I almost feel like you could see this in like 20... Like 2012, 2013, but I was not in those formats. Um, but there's a Charizard, Venusaur, Ninetales, Scrafty, Dusclops, and Rhyperior. You know what? I take it back, Steven. It's not a 2013 team, okay? But it oh, no, has no, no. just a I bunch mean, of it, old it, Pokemon. It looks, it looks, it looks, it would be okay, sort of, in that year. Um, but, <laughs> um, I've also been playing around with the Sun team like this as well. I like it a lot because it's got a Charizard on it, which I've been a big fan of this whole format. Um, but, uh, I like how Ninetales is, Ninetales brings more pressure on, um, in in a faster game without a uh, slow mode if you don't have Torkoal on your team to set sun. So, um, I like Ninetales also has the ability to, uh, use hypnosis and, uh, you can run Scarf on a variety of different items, but, um, 
I wanted to point out also that there have been a lot of, um, maybe not necessarily early, like uh, in Series 3 here, we had a lot of uh, triple ghosts. But actually, as I say that, I noticed uh, Arasho Mahdi in 6th also has triple ghosts. He has uh, Dragapult, Mimikyu, and Dusclops still running the... Uh, Pro likely the weakness policy in the Dragapult with the Mimikyu. You can still see a lot of like Mimikyu and Dragapult uh, just paired together just as double ghosts instead uh, throughout some of these teams. I can see at least like uh, two more in here, I believe. Um, so mm -hmm. that's still a potent strategy. And uh, I like just the two of them there together. Steven, I'm going to test your old school knowledge. And I should have the answer to this too. But Guillermo Castillo, the player that finished 11th, are they the player that uh, got 9th? At Worlds, the uh, in 2015, I think, with like a Mega Venusaur. Ninth in 2015, wasn't that the a player from Mexico? Because like 2015 was oh, the year Japan was. got like seven out of eight right in, and the last one was uh, Lajos Foltersdorf from Germany, mm -hmm. and then ninth I believe was Mexico with the Mega Venusaur. Oh, this is Casty, and they uh, we talked about them the other day, Stephen Casty. Uh, is there Guillermo? Name? Yeah, hmm. he won. Um, he won the tournament in Sweden, right? Is that right? He won uh, maybe Bokum. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I believe this was the... It's Bokum, right? <laughs> the, I believe they... Yeah, they did well in Bokum. Okay. Um, and then I guess one last name that I wanted to uh, touch on here is uh, Wolf Glick. Of course, we could not uh, you know, talk about the results without mentioning Wolf. Wolf did actually partake in this tournament. I feel like he doesn't play in a lot of tournaments online. However, we do have a bit of uh, a bit to talk about after this. But uh, Wolf uh, ran a team of Togekiss, Dragapult, Arcanine, uh, Excadrill, Mimikyu, and Glaceon. And uh, looking at this team, it seems kind of like triple ghosts. Um, in that, uh, I believe the Glaceon also had Ice Shard. So uh, it, while it is not immune to Fake Out or um, wait, a it ghost can learn type, that? Uh, it's I'm pretty sure it learns Ice Shard, and I think it was running that. Um, huh, that's so weird. So, yeah, he, he still had a way for uh, a priority activiz uh, activization, is what I was about to say. Activization of the uh, weakness policy on the Dragapult. Uh, and then just a bunch of other standard Pokemon seems to be what he had here. Just a bunch of good Pokemon to have on a team. Yeah, good old good stuff. Uh, I still find... Glaceon learning Ice Shard questionable. Maybe it's maybe it does, but I felt like this is more of Wolf's tear of running through all the evolutions, um, probably over the course of the season. I remember he had a big thing with uh, Leafeon a few weeks ago, and now he's uh, just moving through all of them. Uh, yeah, I know exactly that. Uh, and uh, yeah, Steven, you're wrong. It learns Ice Shard. So oh, it does fine. Just checked it. There must be all like right. a new thing. I, I swear, if I get it, if it got it in Sinnoh, I'm gonna be mad. If we're like since the beginning. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, it, it looks like it learned it from <laughs> since the beginning. <laughs> I just closed it. You know what? I'm opening it. Okay, go for it. <laughs> um, let's see. There was a there was a number here. Uh, yeah, yeah, level 36 in uh, Gen 4. So Wow, okay. Well, my, uh, my knowledge is getting rusty here. Um, and anyway, uh, speaking of Wolf and online tournaments, though, uh, could not think of a better segue, even though it's cheesy, uh, to talk about, uh, the Championship Cup, which is going to be, or Champions Cup. Is it Champions Cup? Yeah, it's Champions yeah, Cup. Sense. You gotta get the name right. We gotta brand this correctly. Champ Champions Cup is what we're gonna be talking about going forward. It is, uh, going to be hosted by Wolf and A-Drive. Um, A-Drive, uh, who has a popular, uh, YouTuber, Shiny Hunter streamer. Um, I think he's a YouTuber. Um, anyway, <laughs> he, uh, I don't know. I know he's a streamer and a Shiny Hunter, but I said YouTuber first, so, um. He, he's all those things. That's, that's what everyone's gotta do now if you're in gaming. <laughs> he's a content creator. Um, and he, uh, he has partaked in, partook, partaken in uh, VGC um, a number of times. Um, you know, he was at Dallas, Collinsville. Uh, I remember back in the uh, the day, uh, he, I mean, he played in the Geico Invitational and did really well there and then uh, went to Collinsville, and that was in the year 2017. So he's uh, he's been around. He's been uh, dabbling in and, uh, here, in and out, like here and there, basically. Um and he's been taking this season pretty seriously. I believe he top cut Collinsville. So yep. um the in this most recent 2020 year and he and Wolf are coming together to host a uh online tournament called the Champions Cup. And the idea was um 
they were going to have like 350 something like 356 it was probably a good number for like brackets and something um maybe 360 players enter the tournament and um when they opened up the signups uh battlefee could not like i guess process all the number of signups coming in so fast so they had like 600 players like pay their entry fee and get into the tournament even though that was more than they had planned and uh, instead of, uh, like, they, they had all kinds of ideas going around, like, are they gonna, like, you know, they promised to refund anybody that wouldn't get to play in the tournament and such, and blah blah blah, and it's, eventually they decided that they were gonna, uh, open it up to a much larger cap. So, um, that, uh, is now, like, around 1424 or something, it's another weird-ish number, it's not quite 1500, uh, and, um... The last I checked, it was already over 1,200 um, players, 1,200. So, like, uh, we're looking at a pretty large online tournament uh, here. Like, I don't have um, the size of the Spring Challenge. Let me see if it was uh, entered here. It was 370 players, the uh, tournament that um, Justin Ramirez won. And he won $960, which is pretty near 1,000. Uh, however, this tournament, uh, had a $12 entry fee, and, um, there's a lot of talk going around, uh, I don't want to, like, confirm it, but I, uh, I believe that the prize for the Champions Cup is going to be around six to $7,000, which is incredible winner. for the ultimate winner, yes. That is a staggering number, that's a staggering number, and, like, Victory Road's been doing great work on their end, and it's, like... 370 as a participant number, you know, really pales in comparison to what this uh, Champions Cup is uh, kind of gearing up to be. Um, so, like, just to think about this tournament could be, what, almost five times larger than what we just saw in the uh, Victory Road Spring Challenge. Like, that's just nuts. It's crazy. Like, also, uh, about 1,500 people. How, like, I'm just worried about all the logistical and operational things going on with this. And luckily, I, I know they, I saw they also going to have some staff, they're all going to have some staff uh, to help them out with it, running everything. So, like, yes. that just boggles my mind how this is going to be run, too. Really exciting. Yeah, so though. another thing uh, in terms of, like, how it is going to be run, uh, I believe we, it was announced today that they are splitting it up um, into four flights. Um, I don't know, so I guess it'll evenly distribute all the players into four different flights. Understandable. They will um, then take the top eight from each flight uh, and seed them into a top 32, however that is done from four flights. Uh, and then top 32 will be played as a cut from there uh, on the next day, I believe, because I think this tournament takes place on a... Uh, hmm, no, it seems to be taking place on Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I don't know why I thought it was Friday for some reason. Um... Maybe I was just thrown off by this counter on the side of the Battlefield thing. Anyway, it starts <laughs> this Saturday, um, the uh, the coming Saturday, uh, which is the That's, which one is this coming? What, Saturday? what date is that? April. April fourth. Fourth and fifth. Yes, the April fourth and fifth, and um, yeah. So uh, then it's going to be flighted uh, into those, and Top Cup will be playing on Sunday. Um, it's $12 to enter. Uh, here we go. I'm looking at the numbers now. I don't know if the number got pushed up or if I was just crazy, but it's 1303 out of 1504 uh, at the time of recording. So it's already over 1300. And um, I definitely recommend, uh, well, it very well might be filled up by the time this comes out. Um, but if it's not, you know, uh, do uh, consider entering because it's going to be the biggest online tournament ever. Uh, and this is going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, wouldn't that be great to like win that or just be a part of it and say like, "Hey, I, I played in that. I was part of that number." You know, there's uh it's cool because um, they're like, I think it's got something for everybody here. There's going to be so many uh, new players uh, in this tournament because I know A Drive and Wolf both uh, reach all the way down to like the least experienced players in VGC. Not like to bash on them or anything. It's just they have a very wide reach. So yes, even players that are just fans of Pokemon are going to sign up for this tournament which I think is going to draw uh, experienced and inexperienced alike. Um, you know, you'll have a good shot at making it uh, through a couple of rounds because you're going to be able to find players of your skill level. But if you're looking to improve, you're going to be able to find players all the way up. Uh, and for those players that are uh, veterans that do listen to the podcast, looking at you, Jamie Boyd, who called me out on Twitter the other day. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> those players, uh, you know, you've, you've got plenty of free, uh, free rounds, so go ahead and enter. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of uh, newbies in this tournament for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is very exciting. Um, I myself, I signed up for it earlier today. I, uh, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to enter uh, like and play it. Um, so if it does fill up and I don't decide to play, maybe I'll give away my spot or something. But um, I wanted to, yeah, I didn't want to miss out on the opportunity in case I do change my mind. So uh, we'll see how the week goes, and uh, I may very well be playing in this this weekend. Yeah, that's really cool. And um, just I want to just talk about some of the uh, perhaps long term um, implications this may have for, from this tournament. So you know, like you're saying, you're reaching uh, to a lot of other newer uh, players for this thing. And, you know, considering if this goes well and, uh, you know, people enjoy themselves, then this could have a longer, longer term effects in terms of getting more players to come to future events. Uh, you know, once this whole, uh, epidemic crisis kind of like washes over, it's not going to, it's not going to wash over quickly, but you know, once, once the world kind of returns back to a more normal state. So that's really exciting just to think about, um, this could have a really positive impact. I'm very excited for it. Um, I'm happy that they're doing this. Um, this is like something very important since both of these two um, players have a very large pull, a lot of followers, a lot of, uh, you know, just like uh, fame on, uh, you know, a lot of pull on social media and stuff. And so like this is going to be such a large tournament because they decided that this was something that they wanted to do during this uh, stay at home time. And I think this is going to be quite awesome it's going to be streamed by a number of people so even if you're not entering uh, make sure to uh, check out twitch this weekend uh, there are going to be a lot of top players uh, streaming their runs um, and uh, a lot of highlight matches to watch um, this is going to be quite awesome yeah it's gonna be a lot of a lot of great things to watch this is just a you know nice thing for them to do um, given that our circuit has kind of been paused and a lot of it's been canceled at the moment so um, this is a way to keep players engaged and still playing, uh, you know, competitive Pokemon in our, in our official VGC format too. So, uh, very exciting. Um, now that our little advertisement for that is done, I want to talk about a Nintendo Direct Mini, which surprisingly just popped up randomly last week, Thursday, which was March 26th. Um, it just happened, right? Nintendo usually just, uh, they usually announce a day before, so that everyone can get excited and hyped up for it, but it just happened, you know, that morning. And uh, in it, you know, a variety of different games got announced for uh, 2020 and stuff, but at the end of it, we got some information about the Isle of Armor uh, expansion pass. Some more details about that. Nothing necessarily too new that we got in there, just like more details got fleshed out for us. So um, we got stuff like new lead card designs. You can get Leon's cap and tights as part of your, as part of a clothing. If you, uh, do an early pre pre-purchase bonus or something like that. Uh, I learned about the towers where you can, uh, evolve your cub foo, um, whether it's single strike or rapid strike into that, to the urshifu forms. And, uh, one of the big things I want to talk about is that, uh, Rillaboom, Cinderace, and Inteleon, we already knew they were going to get, uh, Gigantamax forms, but... Um, their GMAX moves, we got more details on the names and about what those are actually going to do. So, um, I just want to talk about these quickly because I wasn't expecting this per se, but we have GMAX, uh, Drum Solo for Rillaboom, GMAX Fireball for Cinderace, and GMAX Hydro Snipe for Intellion. And all these are going to have the same effect in that they just ignore the opponent's ability. So, it's going to behave like, uh, Moongeist Beam or, uh, Sunsteel Strike. And, uh, these moves were also, you know, said that they're going to be stronger than normal max moves or G-Max moves. So, what power are you thinking here? Now, Steven, before we talk about that, let's, like, let's start with the important stuff first and then get to the, uh, filler information. All right. Uh, like base, like base powers and effects. Let's talk about these names. So, um, they, I think, opened up with G-Max Drum Solo and I was like, ah, nice, that is pretty cool. I'm a big fan of that. Uh-huh. Then they had, uh, I was like, that's a great name. Then they had G-Max Fireball, and I was like, that's kind of on the nose. Um, sure, sure. Uh, then they had um, G-Max Hydro Snipe, and I was like, oh boy, all right. <laughs> that name is like just the opposite of Drum Solo. Drum Solo is an awesome name. I am very happy with that one. Um <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, if you have opinions on the names, otherwise we can talk about the the real serious stuff, which is that these moves are 
clones of, um, you know, Light That Burns the Sky and, like, Menacing Moon Rays Maelstorm and uh, Super Somersault from uh, Solgaleo. Um, and they are going to have higher base power, which is a very interesting precedent to set, uh, because we don't have full information on that, you know? Right. Is this just kind of a plus 10 on each, uh, bit, you know, each, um, max move normal base power? Like, you know, will a 130 max move, um, I guess grass max move be 140, or will they all be brought to 160, uh, if they are, because, you know, assuming... 160 is the, um, I, I guess 155. I don't know. There's like even return had a weird base power, but I mean, 160 seems like a fair assumption. You know, like these these max moves are going to probably be at the very least 10 base power higher than the max, assuming you're using like frenzy plant or something as the uh, the move that sets it off or whatever. So, um, I don't know what it's going to do for lower base power moves, like a drum beating from Rillaboom. Right. Will that be suddenly a 160 base power move, or will it be, you know, 140? Because drum beating normally has a 130 base power um, max move and so on. Yeah, that's the, that's actually a really good point, is like how these moves exactly are going to scale, because um, it, uh, we I think uh, I had originally said something along the lines of how I thought maybe this would be just tied to their uh, signature moves for each of the lines here, but uh, they did come out and say that it's just it's uh, either a grass, fire, or water move, uh, respectively, for those Pokemon uh, for that move. So yeah, I do wonder if it's going to scale because Pyro Ball from Cinderace is what 120 power, so that's normally would be at 140, and I wonder, like you're saying, is that going to be bumped up by 10 or 20 or maybe more? Yeah, exactly. So just based on that alone, like I could see. Uh, and especially if they get their hidden abilities, uh, sometime soon along with this, like, that's gonna be big. Especially for, like, I was just gonna mention that. Yeah, like, you get, um, Grassy Surge on Rillaboom, you get, uh, Libero on Cinderace, and Intellion gets Sniper. Um, not super important, but the first two, first two are big ones. Um, and you think about Rillaboom's power, uh, already, right? Uh, its base attack is 125. Um, you remember Tapu Bulu was 130, so... Very, they're going to be hitting very similarly once uh, Rillaboom gets Grassy Surge. Like, right off the bat. Don't discount Sniper. I think Sniper is going to be a fantastic, very important ability um, for Inteleon. We've seen the importance of crits uh, with Togekiss and just how abusable stuff like that it can be. So, um, Sniper, uh, alongside having the signature Snipe Shot, is going to be pretty cool. Um, and also just how that can uh, pair with items like Scope Lens and what have you. Um, but after talking with friends, um, yeah, well, I do want to just talk about uh, this first. Um, Steven mentioned the hidden abilities. There's nothing about this uh, news that confirms or denies hidden abilities. Uh, nothing in the trailer showed anything, so we still don't know uh, if they will or will not come. But I think Rillaboom will um, probably choose to use its regular move, uh, mat, like regular uh, non-GMAX form, if uh, it does not have its hidden ability. Because still setting that grassy terrain is kind of nice, kind of important. But there's no reason to set grassy terrain if your ability is setting it for you. So then you're going to run the G-Max and it's coming. It's like you get to max in grassy terrain. Um, and you, instead of, you know, taking that one turn to set your field effect, you already have it. And that's going to make Rillaboom really strong. Uh, looking at Cinderace, though, um, same kind of deal. Um as Inteleon, like, I, I don't know for sure if it'll be better, um, or not, um, but I know that Rillaboom, um, will definitely opt for the G-Max if, uh, if the G-Max is legal, or if the hidden ability is legal. Right, yeah, pending that hidden ability release, whenever that is, you know, that's gonna have a big influence on which form the players choose to use. Yeah, and uh, like I, I think that Cinderace and Inteleon, uh, while they can have partners, and you know we play doubles, but like they can have partners set the weather effects for them. I still think they are very likely to, uh, maybe still want them. I don't know. We don't see a lot of Cinderace in the format, and if Lib uh, Libero or Libero, whatever you want to say, uh, I'm going to say Libero just to me, you know, be the opposite of Steven. Um, As if always. Libero comes <laughs> out, <laughs> um, then I think. I don't think this impacts it either way. I'm just it's just a matter of does it want to set sun or not. Um and then Inteleon, I think it's going to use its G Max for sure. 
It'll miss setting the rain to further boost its second max uh, water move. But um, I think the important bit here is, as they showed in the trailer, you know, Gastron is quite prevalent in the format, and ignoring it with your max geyser is pretty important. Or I guess in this point, your G-Max Hydro Snipe. That's right. And I just have one last comment on the uh, Cinderace's hidden ability, Libero. Um, I am a... I mentioned this before already, like, I think recently even, that I'm a sports official, I referee uh, volleyball specifically, and uh, there is a position in the sport called the libero, which is the person who wears the opposite, uh, different colored jersey than the rest of the team, and uh, this is a word that comes from the Italian, uh, it comes from Italian, which I think they use in soccer as well, but um, the uh, word is, uh, is, is correctly pronounced libero from, from the sport, so um, we get very heavily criticized if we uh, mispronounce it uh, given that we're officials of the sport and need to be re- representing you know the rules and uh, all that stuff so yeah so first Libero, off Steven, how dare you <laughs> how dare you uh, i'm sorry for imposing my um status on here well that's the thing is my uh my girlfriend played libero uh-huh. in uh in high school so and that's how she uh she's always said it so that's my position too <laughs> Yeah, and I guess you've just been saying it wrong this whole time, and now you're officially saying it wrong. Congrats <laughs> on uh, that step up. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we're never going to be able to iron these, iron this uh, argument out, so let's just uh, I move on to something. I am done talking about this, and I am done talking about Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, really quick, I just want to mention that there was a little image in the uh, Sword and Shield website for... Specific Pokemon coming in the Isle of Armor DLC. We don't need to talk about these in detail because we don't know if we're going to get to play with these at all. Um, if we get to play at all then. But we have uh, stuff featured in the image like Kingdra, Volcarona, Magnezone, Lycanroc, Zorua, Dedene, uh, Azuril, and Chansey. So um, some significant prominent Pokemon there which we may end up seeing in Series 5. Um, whether we're playing still strictly online with those things, or if we do get to have like uh, tournaments in July and August and beyond, so uh, interesting Pokemon that are coming. Yeah, Lycanroc is the uh, I think the most important one here. We may see the return of Wahakoff. I'm sure Steven doesn't even know who I'm talking about, but all the Showdown Warriors do. I miss you, Wahakoff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I see your reference there, but. Uh, so, I mean, Alex, we've had all this uh, downtime away from Pokemon. You know, I've kind of missed the and, uh, anticipation for future upcoming tournaments and just prepping, planning for those, and watching what's going on more intently. But um, we've had a lot of downtime to play other games, and we want to spend the uh, rest of this show talking about a very particular game that kind of had a really nice timing with, it, with its release, right? Uh, and that is Animal Crossing New Horizons here. So... Um, I guess to start, do you remember um, back in August or September of last year, um, this game was delayed to uh, March of 2020, and it was originally supposed to be like a fall 2019 release, so it somehow, mm-hmm. Nintendo somehow predicted and knew what was going to happen, so this uh, came out at, I guess, a really fortunate time, a uh, fortunate time for the game to be out for the public, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been really nice. Um, I get to, uh, alongside, like, working from home, um, just, this is another thing that's, like, really nice to play daily. Um, I have uh, been looking forward, forward to this game for so long now, and so has uh, my girlfriend. Uh, we both enjoyed New Leaf, the previous entry, um, but I understand, Steven, this is your uh, first time playing Animal Crossing, right? Correct. Yeah, this is uh, my very first time with this series, um, you know, actually playing a game in it. Um, and I've been, uh, right now is the t- time of recording, I'm only on like day four of my game. I'm very much enjoying it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, so I've uh, I've played every day since uh, launch. However, I didn't play it like uh, midnight, which does actually affect the uh, number of like, um, the amount of progress you could have made at this point. But uh, this game has, you know, made a number of improvements on New Leaf and just so many fun things that, um, you know, that you can just do daily. I feel like this game paces really well. Some people aren't a huge fan of uh, how 
you know, the game gates you off from certain things day by day. But I think that's kind of the point, in my opinion, is that, you know, you take the game slowly. It's not like a, a race to the finish. You know, you, you can accomplish a number of things in a day, but um, there are certain things that, you know, like real life, you have to wait until the next day for it to be ready, for it to be set up and done. So um, then you kind of just, you know, you put the game down and you can do other things. Um, you know, if you... And there's still, like, an, if you do want to play the game nonstop, there is plenty to do. So um, I really like that it's got a great balance of, uh, you know, casual, but also, like, uh, it can still appeal to people that are driven. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been really interesting because it's uh, something I can just pick up and play, play for a few minutes, and then put it down and go do something else. Or um, I've even... I've even caught myself. Um, I was gonna like I, like I just mentioned. I was gonna I was planning at one uh, day to play. You know, I'm just gonna play for like 20 minutes, half an hour, and then I'll be done. And then two hours later, I was like, "Oh crap! What happened to the time?" Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like I think one of the best things that they added in this game um, is a new feature, though not new to you, Stephen. I guess it's new to uh, everyone. Is what I'm trying to get is uh, the Nook Miles. Um, it used to be just that, like, you know, Bells was the only real source of currency, and then other than that, they had, like, membership programs for, like, getting points in, like, shops and stuff, but it was not quite what Nook Miles is. Nook Miles, I think, is one of the best things the game has introduced. It just rewards you for playing the game, and very rarely do you have to go out of your way to earn um a uh, a bunch of Nook Miles. They have, like, really cool just, like, goals, I think, that... um keep you like playing the game, keep you driven to do other things. And um, it's just awesome. Like, I, I think that uh, Nook Miles is just one of the things that like, I think the game needed so that um, you just always felt like you had a mission and like you were just like, you know, just doing menial daily tasks uh, feels like you're always working towards something. Yeah. Like when I, uh, when I first got the, the Nook Miles um, Nook Miles Program Plus or something um, where you can mm-hmm. get more of those miles as you do things. Um, you know, I was at a point where, like, right now at time of recording, my museum is under construction, so I uh, can't, like, donate anything to Bladders, who is uh, one of the coolest characters in the game. I'll talk about him in a little bit, but I can't donate uh, or assess anything with him right now, and uh, I just need, like, other stuff to do, other than, like, visiting islands and, then, like, uh, I guess, uh, you know, growing stuff and planting stuff, but... Um, I think, uh, it's a really good system that it's a really good, uh, feeding system. Cause like the mileage, the miles feed into your bells and then vice versa. And this is like everything you do. And it gives you something to do when, uh, sometimes you're unsure of what to do, because that's kind of where I was at for the first few days after I'd like collected everything on the Island and, um, was just like, well, what do I do now? And then I just look at these things. I was like, okay, I guess I can do these challenges and just build up my miles and bells and stuff as I go along here. But um, I think the biggest nice selling point for this game is this, it's uh, it's relaxing. It's a relaxing, fun game to play. It's very low stakes, low pressure to do all these things. And um, it's been nice to just, you know, pop in and out whenever uh, I can- want to. It's also got a, a bit of a catch them all aspect to it, which I like, um, as you've noticed with the museum, um, in that you... Uh, have a critterpedia that you are trying to fill out which is just a bunch of bugs and fish Mm -hmm. and uh as well as fossils um you know these are just like different things that you can keep collecting as you play the game um a lot of them are tied to uh year round uh like times of year like you're gonna find certain bugs more in winter than you would in summer and um or you know completely not at all in winter and only in summer um so that uh, is something that kind of keeps you coming back throughout. Uh, and I know like April is coming up and I know April's got a bunch of cool events to it as well as the game like does holidays well. So it's something that like keeps you coming back throughout the year just because there's always going to be something new to do, new to check out. And uh, it's a great game to just have to play every day. Yeah. And uh, I want to, uh, you're gonna be mad at me for throwing this back to Pokemon, but the Critterpedia reminds me of uh, you know filling out a Pokedex. And when you think about it, like the whole Animal Crossing games are supposed to like bring you back as a form of escape. And uh, I guess the design is to be like living in Japan's countryside, right? 
And, uh, you know, when you think about catching bugs, this was that original inspiration for uh, Pokemon from Tajiri in the beginning. So you can see a lot of that uh, bug catching aspect in here in this game. And I just want to talk about the museum really quick. Uh, like I mentioned, because I want to talk about Blathers and just the museum in general. I love it so much because... Um, you know, I work at a science museum currently where it closed at the moment, but you know, that's where my job is at, at a science museum. And, uh, funnily, funny, you mentioned the fossils as well, because, um, I also used to work in a fossil gallery previously as well. So like all this just coming together is super nice. It's super cool. I, uh, love seeing the museum and I just like, um, Blathers as the, as a personality, like he's afraid of bugs and, um, he's really funny. And, uh, you know, I, every time he offers to give me information about stuff like I read it because I'm a dork and nerd like that but um I like how he's an owl right wise old guy mm -hmm. yep, yep awesome awesome okay so um yes. I love bladders he's such a he's such a great character love the museum too it is fantastic I uh I have watched um like my girlfriend walk around in the museum yet but I have yet to walk around it just because I've like been constantly doing other things and I keep forgetting but uh, from what I've seen, the museum looks incredible in this game. It's such a huge uh, glow up from the past entries in the series. They really outdid themselves on it. It looks awesome. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just really cool that they brought back the uh, the feature where he kind of tells you about all the different things that you bring into him. I think it was a, uh, a main staple in all the games prior to New Leaf. And then for some reason... They got rid of it, and then they they instead made it so that anytime you bring him something, he says like, "Oh, it will bug," or just like, "Oh, nice, a fish. Let me store that away. We will. We appreciate your donation." And it was just kind of generic and not as exciting when, like, you know, every single new thing you bring to him, he has something to tell you about it, and that's um, one of the things that makes it really rewarding and cool. Um, another cool thing, and I'm I'm wondering how much you've taken advantage of it, Stephen. Uh, that's new to this game is uh, you can set furniture outside. This is new to the game, and it's not been a part of things in the previous entries. In New Leaf, you were able to like set up projects to set up like mainstay uh, things, like you know, like a, a lamp post or like a lighthouse or like a, a fountain. However, now you can just take like your your couch and just put it outside on the beach if that seems like something that would look good to you. And I was wondering how uh, how decorated is your island? So as I mentioned, currently I'm only on day four of my game, and um, resources are slim at the moment. But I just want to say, like, I have been <laughs> like putting setting up stuff outdoors. Uh, I'd say I'm terrible at designing in general, but. Um, I have ideas for what I want to do in the future and just like, oh, I can set up a whole like um, outdoor venue or shop out here. This will be a lot of fun. <laughs> or just place to walk around like when uh, when people come visit. It's awesome. I've been doing the same. I've been like setting up ideas, starting them. But like it'll be like I have two pieces of furniture that kind of get across the idea of what I have. But I'm going to have to wait to find other things that can get across that message or like, you know, set up that... uh that idea and um, otherwise just kind of like gradually going along, collecting things and uh, enjoying uh, just, I don't know what this game allows you to do in quarantine. It's kind of just a fun way to get out and do things when you can't get out and do things. Yeah. I mean, like uh, about can't about being unable to go out and do things um, is I've seen a lot of really awesome, funny posts about just, what other people have created and what they're doing, like, oh, this is where people are going to be do hosting their graduations and weddings and just, like, other fun events within the game. And it's really funny to me. It's uh, been really cool to watch all that. Did you see Aaron Trailer hosted the World Championships? Yes, I did see that. That's so cool. Like, uh, that, was, that was a really neat picture to see. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Plugging uh, Aaron Trailer and his Twitter, which is, I believe, TBF. Unreality at TBF Unreality is uh, his turner his Twitter. Yes. So um, go check that one out. That's a funny one. Um, Wait, and I have a question. Just a bunch of funny tweets there in general. I've got I've got a I've got an important question here. What uh what did you name your island? Ooh, so I named mine Arendelle. I know a lot of people in the VGC community did uh, Pokemon towns and locations um, uh -huh. like Gina's uh, the one that I had always had planned. Ooh, I need to go on a side note about. Um, having two switches now and stuff like that. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, I named mine Arendelle 
uh, and uh, we need originally the main name that I had come up with was Appleton. Uh, you know, the new Pokemon Appleton uh-huh. uh, is one of my favorites. I think I would say it is my favorite of the new Gen 8 Pokemon. And uh, his name also just sounds like a typical like village or town name or something because of it ends with that ton. So uh, I thought that was really fun. But um, I have named mine Arendelle because uh, among my friend group, I have uh, kind of made uh, Frozen uh, just like uh, a funny brand thing about myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I'm also just a big fan of the Frozen 2 movie. So I was like, Arendelle seems fun. Let's do that. Okay, cool. And, uh, and what about yourself, glad to hear that. Now, I named mine, uh, everyone knows I'm a big Legend of Zelda fan. I named mine Outset Island. Outset, okay. That's fun. That's a good one. And From uh, the Wind Waker, and like the idea eventually is I kind of want to hopefully build the island to look like Outset Island someday. Um, that'll probably be months down the line, but um, you know, there is a whole model I can use to base off it, or I can just make it my own. I just, uh, like the, you know, I like Zelda, so Outside Island. And, uh, yeah, now I guess I wanted to ask you, uh, what did Gina name hers? So she went with the Appleton, is the thing. Oh, oh, cool, cool, cool. So basically what happened was, um, and this is where I want to talk a bit about, um, multiplayer, uh, in the house, I guess, specifically, so local multiplayer, um, There was something that we were really looking forward to with this game was um, they mentioned that you uh, can live on the same island. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't realize that that would be incredibly restrictive. Um, Not so much in the fact that you do share resources because, you know, you can learn to like share and kind of like both work together to accomplish a goal. But um, like real life, (laughs) essentially the way that what's that like real life, a lot of the things in this game are. It's somewhat like real life, you know, a lot of them are more fanciful and simple, like fishing. Anyway, go on. Uh, just pressing A to reel it in. Um, but um, the the thing with, uh, like, a, a, I guess multiple people playing on the same Switch is that one person, the first person to move into the island becomes the resident representative. And they are essentially the person with all the power. They are the one to move forward all the goals. They get all the uh, the recipes to craft items, which is another new thing to this game. Crafting. I love it. It's great. Uh, definitely needed in the series, I think. And um, but, however, you if you're the second person to live on the island, you get to set up your tent and get all you know most of the same powers. You can fish and um, you can uh, decorate the inside of your tent or your uh, house if you get there. Um, however, uh, you can't really progress the quote unquote story of the game. You can't help set up all the major shops and purchases and stuff like that. Uh, it's just all down to one player. So it was really uh, kind of sad because Gina and I had planned to like live on the same island and stuff. But um, with this game, I had actually bought a new Switch in part for this game and because I wanted to have a uh, unique Switch. Like I like to have the you know the standout unique consoles uh, if I can. Um, and so um, I was planning to sell back my original Switch, but uh, I learned that since I bought the game digitally and I had my profile on both Switches and this whole, like, one island per Switch uh, thing that they have going on, um, I was like, well, if I boot the game up on my other Switch, maybe I can have my own file. And it turns out I can. As long as I'm connected to the internet, I uh, can have basically two game copies of the game running. And... Um, like we're still able to like hang out and visit each other's towns and stuff. And it's been very fun. Uh, we just kind of had to play it a little bit more separately than we would have liked. Gotcha. But you can still do like uh, Island visits and stuff and play, uh, exactly. Play cooperatively that way. Exactly. It's, it's great. I've seen a lot of people visiting and playing games and doing fun things. So it's, uh, been really neat to see all that. Um, I had a thing. I had a question, but I can't remember it right now. And there it goes. Oh wait, oh wait, I got um, it, I got it, I got it back. So, have you uh, have you gotten to a point where you're able to landscape stuff yet? No, no. Um, from what I've heard, that is late game. Ah, I see. So the, the the terraforming. I don't know how late game exactly, but um, right now I'm just um, you know, just still trying to get uh, all my villagers in. I don't know uh, who were the two that you started with, Stephen. Um, gosh, I do not recall the names off the top. You of You don't my head, know their I names. Had... No, I don't remember. It's like, I had, uh, this, this is like a long-term memory learning process because, you know, it's only been a few days and I don't remember their names, but I remember what they look like. I have a um a red a red hippo who likes to work out. 
And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then there's this other girl. I think she starts with a her name starts with a P, and I don't even know what animal she is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had uh, Rod the mouse, uh, who is a it looks like a pirate mouse, and I have uh, Diva, who is a purple frog. But um, yeah, I've met the point where I've got six villagers, I think, and a seventh on the way, and. Um, it's always fun. I think that's one of the best parts about the game is seeing who ends up moving to your place. A lot of people are really particular about it. I uh, I do have villagers that I don't like to see, but like I, I for the most part, I just kind of learn to love the ones that I get, and it's been very fun to uh, kind of like create like storylines in my head for them and such. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, I need to I guess learn their names, which I'll learn over time as I play some more, but. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been okay with, uh, the two villages I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that's just another thing that, like, kind of progresses as the game goes is, um, there's just, like, so much to keep you coming back. Like, uh, I have played the game every day since launch, and I still have not, there's still so much I want to accomplish. So it's, it's right. kind of, like, it's awesome. I'm not too worried about, like, getting these things done, though. Like, I just kind of, like, it's what keeps me coming back. Yeah, I've I've just been uh, taking my time with the game, you know, taking it casually, slowly, and uh, I'll uh, I'm just having fun with it. So that's uh, what I've been enjoying a lot. And one thing that does slightly annoy me with the villages right now, just at this moment, is they're when the when they got their moved their tents, uh, when they finally get their own homes built, their houses were bigger mm-hmm. than mine. <laughs> I'm like, what's up with that? <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> I know you're like I'm the one pulling all the like slack here like I'm the one doing all the hard work and then they're just like <laughs> just have bigger houses I saw them and I was like like wait wait why is your house bigger what than you mine <laughs> what have you guys been doing have you been hiding resources have you been hiding money what is the deal <laughs> we voted on this in the beginning on the representative you gotta come to me over these things <laughs> <laughs> listen I'm in charge here um uh, yeah but this this has been a really enjoyable game and uh I know I'm I know I'm only in a few days in, but just like being able to check in daily, periodically, and just uh, play uh, to you know accomplish things, work, do some work in the game. It's uh, been very enjoyable and a lot of fun. So I'm gonna this is probably a game I'm gonna stick with. And I know we have the Bunny Day celebration coming up for April 1st through 12th. So you get some of the weird uh, those you know eggs and all that decorative stuff for that holiday for Easter for this. Uh, about two week period so that's kind of neat yeah as they showed uh some of that stuff in the direct yeah and we'll be getting uh i'm sure a lot of updates as we uh go through the year and get different holidays to experience within the game itself it's gonna be um a fun year of animal crossing and uh maybe eventually vgc at some point <laughs> yeah hopefully uh we'll get back to that at uh eventually um i'm hoping so like I'd, I'd like to get back to it at some point you know yeah, I, uh, I'm i uh, missing the friends. I've been hanging out with people a lot in uh, calls online and stuff, but uh, it's not quite the same as, you know, going to the tournaments. So um, hopefully uh, I know that things aren't exactly, I, I wanted to say continue to get better, but I, I hope that, um, you know, it doesn't continue to get worse. I hope that uh, we do see uh, this start to get better, and I'm uh, hoping that, uh, you know, it's not rushed, but I would love to... Um, go back to tournaments once things are uh feeling a little bit safer and returning more to normal agreed absolutely now uh well i guess our my last question for you here is for anyone who um hasn't gotten animal crossing new horizons yet what would uh what would you say to them what would you uh, recommend this for some for someone who hasn't picked it up yet yeah 100 percent. it's uh like i think it's the best entry in the series and it's just a great game in general to just try right now and you'll know within the first uh day or two uh if it is for you if it is something that you want to keep trying and i definitely think it's worth the uh 60 and uh since this is where i thought you were going steven um for those of you that are listening if you do care to tell us what have you guys been up to if you haven't been playing animal crossing uh have you guys been playing still vgc have you been playing like you know battle stadium showdown uh you know playing games against friends and stuff or entering these online tournaments or have you been playing other things um you know, what have you guys been up to? If you guys could let us know, it'd be great to know what everybody else is doing during this, uh, during these times, just to, like, kind of keep connected. Cool. Well, uh, Alex, I think this will do it here for this show here in uh, 
end of March coming out, uh, probably April. You know, didn't quite have a, uh, quite have an April Fool's episode as we did in the past, but, uh, we did get to talk about the Animal Crossing game, so it was a lot of fun. So, thanks for being on with me today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great episode, I think. Now, everyone, you can, uh, you can find our show in a variety of different places. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And remember, you can leave us a review in those places to help us with visibility, help others discover the show. If this is something you think they'd be interested in in competitive Pokemon, please uh, leave a review and tell your friends about us as well. You can also uh, send us an email with uh, feedback, questions, and uh, comments to vgchyperboice at gmail.com. You can also tell us about what you've been up to since... Um, the VGC events have ended and uh, just what you've been playing. Maybe you've been playing Animal Crossing. Tell us about your stories there. Um, you can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hyper Voice. Lastly, you can also find both of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. And Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Lexicon VGC. Perfect. Thank you all so much for listening and stay tuned for more of The Hyper Voice. Alola. Alola.